to Film Me Happy Hour. The podcast where two professors unwind and talk about movies. I'm Gwen, and I'm an anthropologist, and I teach classes on film and anthropology. I'm Zebonissa, and I teach film studies. We both teach uh, in in Pakistan. We teach at a university in Lahore. We've done courses together. We've done so much work together that uh, we thought, why not also do this while social distancing? And yeah, as much as we've done together, we still can't freaking stop talking. Um, <laughs> we, we have like literally gotten in trouble for chatting and like passing notes in people's talks. Uh, so we thought we would like channel that energy into a positive direction um, and put together this little podcast. Should we dive right in to today's topic? Let's do it. We both work on film uh, and on filmmaking in Pakistan, but we work with like very different filmmakers. So I thought it would be cool for us to kind of touch base with each other and get our opinions on what we think the COVID crisis um, is going to do to cinema here. It's not been an easy road for filmmakers of any stripe um, in the past several decades in Pakistan, right? What kind of further challenges do we anticipate because of this right. COVID? Um, I go through ups and downs with this. So on the one hand, I think this is such terrible timing. Cinemas were being made. These you know, digital cinemas were coming up. Yeah. Um, Pakistan's been rather late to the digital digital circuit. So you know the this, the audience was already watching Bollywood films and Hollywood, and Hollywood films, films, but at home, right, uh, on TV or you know, through downloads or on Netflix. For me, there are three, four different angles here. On the one hand, I think the, distrib- the distribution exhibition of this is going to be completely different now or badly affected. Um, yeah. And then if you don't I mean, know... You don't even know how many cinemas are going to be able... So cinemas were already kind of struggling hmm. before the shutdown. Because of the Bollywood. Because of, um, because of the Indian film ban. So. Yeah large number, a large amount of the business that cinemas were doing came from Indian movies. Mm. Um, when those were lost, it was just, you know, some Hollywood movies and then a few Pakistani movies, but it was, you know, a, a, a big blow to the cinema owners. Right. So, so, so they were basically counting on, you know, Avenger films or Fast and Furious films and franchise films basically to right. give them that, that, that extra push that they needed in the box office. Mm-hmm. But to me, what's really interesting about all of this is that this is not a Pakistan issue, right? This is a worldwide right. this is issue. The world, exactly. And we're all going to have to, for the first time, learn together and make mistakes together and figure out how to go forward. And, you know, poorer countries will learn from other countries, but no one is going to be an advantage at all. Right. Everyone's yeah, so many films have shut down production or have well, shut down. That's you know, I mean, release dates have all been pushed. Cinema workers around the globe, people who work in cinemas are losing their jobs. People who work in filmmaking have lost their funding for their projects. Nothing new is being made. So what happens then? Do we get reintroduced to older stuff? Does things, do other new things that were forgotten come back? We just don't know what's going to happen. In a couple of years, like hopefully we would see some kind of a swing swing of the pendulum the other way where people are getting out and, and people maybe rediscover the joy of public gatherings once there's a vaccine or once, you know, we've kind of reached a point where the pandemic situation has been right. managed. 
Um, but Gwen, let me ask you a question. If we were to look at what was happening to cinemas, the actual structure of a cinema, uh, and people mm. go, going to the theater, people had stopped really, right? Cinemas were suffering. Yeah, this was already becoming. So like, if you look at America and the multiplex in the mall, right? Multiplexes in the malls are super struggling, but the businesses that were doing well, the cinemas that were doing well, were single screen cinemas that offered like an experience, right? Where you could go to the cinema and you could order food and you could order some drinks and you could have like a whole, and maybe there was like a bowling alley along with it, or maybe there was a restaurant. Like, so I used to live in Austin. There are a couple different cinemas like that, that offer this kind of like experience around going to a movie right as kind of a social thing so it's not just about like viewing the film but it's about all these other add-ons it's experience um, of it, right when people have been kept in their homes for so long mm-hmm. will going back to the cinema just for the sake of watching a film alone maybe maybe that's going to be the new experience i mean it might be like it will be kind of novel it you know, will it makes be right? of like of like the early days of film exhibition when people were so mesmerized by this moving image that one film lumiere brothers train film where people like yes. ran out of the theater because they thought like <laughs> was coming shit, towards them yeah. yeah so i mean is there going to be some kind of um rediscovery of like the novelty of a big screen projection of sitting in that dark room but I think another aspect of that though, and we were seeing this with like cinema as experience in the US, and we were also seeing this with the the way film distribution was going on in Pakistan is like the relationship of film to class, like seeing certain kinds of movies becoming more and more expensive. So like cinema, being able to go out to the cinema because it's like a more expensive or like luxurious activity it's also like more limited. And will the screen remain, but the building change? Drive in cinemas and people don't feel safe sitting um, in seats next to each other. But families just go and, you know, in their car yeah. and watch films or on their motorcycle. Maybe all, everything that we left behind was a technology that forced us to behave in a certain way. Maybe that, mm-hmm. that, that's going to be a shift. Maybe there'll be a rethinking of it. Although, again, if it's a drive-in cinema, then are you limiting it to people who can yeah. afford a car? We just keep on coming back to that issue of, of class. And let's not forget that that is an issue, especially in countries like Pakistan. So ticket prices go up even further because of yeah, that. That's, I mean, I think that's going to be the big economic thing, right? Like, so you can see it kind of going a couple of ways. You can see film viewing becoming, like, more democratized, maybe. People will just be so excited to get out to the cinema that they would maybe go to the movies without necessarily worrying like is this a luxurious experience or maybe cinemas would lower their ticket prices because they're so desperate for people to come for crap maybe you'll mm. see more special deals maybe you'll see more matinee kind of situations or you could see it flip the other way that the cinemas so badly need to recoup their losses that they're trying to that then they shift toward that like expensive experience cinema mode of viewing or like the imax you know Exactly, yeah. You know, what you see in the West is so different from what you see in countries like Pakistan because mm-hmm. everybody went into online courses, right, all over the world with a, like, yeah. with a, so quickly. 
And the transition has not been as easy in Pakistan because we have students who may not have internet and therefore have issues. We may have internet issues one day and not be able yeah. to continue a class. Yeah. On the other hand, it's taught us so much, right? It's teaching us when something like this happens, A, we're just not prepared in education. B, we're just mm-hmm. not prepared in film. Another thing is the streaming aspect of it. So I teach a film class and I expect I need my students to watch film. Their downloads are not fast enough or they can't watch a film on, on, on Netflix because everybody's using the internet. So Netflix is, and we, you know, Netflix is also, many of these sites have reduced their quality. So HD may not be yeah. available and so on. But while everybody else is watching it for entertainment, my students have to watch it for school. So it's really interesting how a global thing like Netflix, your experience is different in different places as well. Oh, and I think Netflix and who, like, I mean, we already know that all of, all of their content is pirated already. But if anything, like, I think that piracy is going to skyrocket. But if you're a filmmaker right now, um, obviously where your money is coming from is an extreme issue. Right. But, but in some cases, the only way for people to watch your films will be through, through this, yeah. you know? And I think this, this was also a trend we were seeing, like in Pakistani cinema particularly, you know, and this is a, a thing you've been commenting, right? There are filmmakers who will release their movie on YouTube themselves, like the moment it airs on TV, because they know it's going to happen. Absolutely. And they want the they want audience to have the best quality. Yeah. And this is happening even in smaller cinemas, right? Like um, we had a student who did research on Sudaiki language telefilms. So these are films that are being made, um, kind of low budget movies that are being made in Southern Punjab. And they used to be shared on DVD, but now uh, the trend is shifting from DVD to USB and YouTube, so so to streaming modality. And now the filmmakers have started releasing their films on YouTube. So again, so they'll at least get the views on YouTube. In countries like Pakistan, it also it's uh, in like informal way of archiving, right? Yeah. So, so you don't. And the only way of archiving, there is no formal way of archiving. The, well, yeah, exactly. The only way of archiving. Um, There's no national film archive in Pakistan. Period. We are going to share with you our top like time pass Pakistani movies. Especially for those of you who have not like maybe watched a lot of Pakistani cinema before or who have maybe a more narrow idea about what it is. So my first film that I'm going to recommend is, you might not be surprised by this, Vanessa, is Ziba Khana, but the English title is Hell's Ground. This was the uh, first Pakistani slasher movie. It's like kind of a beautiful Pakistani riff on Texas Chainsaw Massacre and on Psycho and Friday the 13th. So all of these like classic horror movies, but in Pakistan. Um, And it's really, uh, it's really fun and funny and gory. Horror film enthusiasts and cult film enthusiasts would really... Yeah. This is definitely one to watch. Okay, what's your first one? Pakistan's first submission for the Oscars in 50 years in 2013 with Zinda Bhag uh, by Minu Gore and Farjad Nabi. Um, Zinda Bhag or Run for Your Life. It is a beautiful film set in Lahore where we are both based. And it really captures both the beauty of the city as well as the undercurrents of 
you know, violence and darkness and is about, it's a migration story, which I think so many people can relate to right now. Your major global, major global issue right now. Absolutely. And it's funny. Um, and it's in Punjabi. And it's got just just a great cast and uh, it's a great film. So I would highly recommend also, that. It's also got some excellent references for the, for the cinephiles out there. I mean, and it's, and it's a really beautifully done film. So I would say that's probably a good, if you want to get into new Pakistani cinema, that's probably a good way. It's a really start. good starting point. Yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. What's your next one? Okay, so my second film is uh, from 1979, classic year. And That's a good year. Uh, it was directed by, um, and I believe it was one of the first films directed by Shamim Ada, who was this incredible actress uh, in the 60s. She was like a top heroine. She was like the Kate Blanchett of the 60s in Pakistan. Nice. Um, but, oh, she and she's so beautiful. Like, she's so graceful and everything. And then in the 70s, late 70s, she started directing films and she got behind the camera and she made these like badass action movies with like mm. women in cat suits. And she really made Babra Sharif a star. So this is also like one of Babra Sharif's first movies. Um, it's written by Sayed Noor, who is a famous screenwriter and later became a famous director. So it's really got like, it's really got like proper like stars of Pakistani cinema in it. And um, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful. Like, you don't need to know too much about the plot, but it's set in Hong Kong. There's lots of action sequences. Um, it's like over the top, late seventies, bell bottoms everywhere. Actually, I remember seeing this film. So I think I'm going to go back and watch it again. Oh, you totally should. And I think if I'm not wrong, this was like a, an international co-production as well. And we have this amazing colleague, um, Asia Day, who's at, uh, who's at UCLA and she's doing awesome. She's doing this incredible project on Shamim Ada and these like international movies that she made. Okay, so your first recommendation was? So my first one was Zibahana. My second one, one is Miss Hong Kong. Miss Hong Kong. So you went from 2007 to, to 79. 79. And now we're going to go for, so my first was Zindabhag from 2013. And I'm going to stick uh-huh. to the strong female theme. And okay. I'm going to give you Motorcycle Girl from 2018. Yay! Adnan Sever's film. Uh, this is on YouTube. I think Adnan's uh, uploaded it himself, uh, I believe. And this film was... It, it's, it's based on a true story of the first woman to drive across Pakistan on a motorcycle. So lots of like amazing scenery, classic road movie... Oh, it's so beautiful. It's a classic road movie. That's kind of an amazing suggestion to, like, since we're all stuck inside. Exactly. To get the freedom of travel. And it really is a coming-of-age film. You know, the way this girl transforms, and she's so cute. Her learning to, first of all, drive a motorcycle, ride, ride a motorcycle. For anyone who has any plans of what to do after this, I think once you watch this film, you're going to be like, the first thing I'm going to do when I get out there is learn I don't want to say. No, I'm still, I'm still kind of afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll go watch that tonight. I haven't yeah. seen that in a while. Well, there you go. We've given each other films to watch tonight. So, yes. Yeah, so, awesome. my, second, my second one is Motorcycle Girl from, by Adnan Sabra from 2018. Should we move to your third and final suggestion? Okay. My final film recommendation. Um, you know, we're in this kind of, like, weird dystopian reality. Yeah. So, 
another film about weird dystopian realities. And the movie is, of course, one of my favorite movies of all time, Orat Raj. Orat Raj is also from 79. It's incredible. It kind of defies description. Um, but basically it's this sort of like gender bending, weird, um, hilarious satire of politics and gender roles and, and all kinds of things. Um, and it's really fun and interesting. I'm not going to go so far as to call it like a progressive film or a feminist <laughs> film, but it's, it's just really, really fun. It's directed by, uh, this, uh, very famous comedian called Rangila. And he wrote and directed it. And it's uh, even just the intro of the film. It has Fahid Murad in it, right? And Sultan Rahi, also in drag. So oh, my like God. The, the like, most only sexy heroines. Well, Sultan Rahi, debatably sexy. But, <laughs> but Fahid Murad, I think we can agree. Yeah. I so think... like, it has, like, hyper-masculine dudes in drag. And then it, and then... Um, the ultimate heroes. There's a lot of ways by which men and women switch roles. And I won't give away too much of the rather convoluted plot. Um, but it's, it's pretty amazing. But I was going to say, even Rangila in the very opening sequence, it's, it's kind of like the most weird and hilarious meditation on filmmaking. Mm. So people interested in cinema and filmmaking should even just watch like the first few minutes of the thing. Um, talk about like breaking the fourth wall or like being very meta and stuff, but it's in a very funny way. So, um, yeah, that's well, my I would say with anybody who's interested in um, filmmaking, for sure, I think it's very important to take a look at films like Orat Raj or um, mm-hmm. these, but just because they play around with so much, with so many stereotypes, yeah. there's so many, and again, there's so many little hints and, you know, like they're leaving these, like, it's like treasure hunt of like incredible yeah, exactly. like ideas and, you know, and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. But it's yeah, really, just like bizarre, like weird little comments on society. It's it's really fast. I mean, okay. and I and I love Wahid Mahad, so I would just watch it for for him slash her in this film. Oh yeah, round us out. What's the what's the final film? Final quarantine suggestion. So my final quarantine suggestion is one that may be very familiar to another city in Pakistan, but also maybe familiar to all of you when. Things shut down and everything shut her down and you're desperate and nothing works. So my final suggestion is Namalum Afraad or Unknown Persons, as it means. Oh, uh, oh yeah. From 2014 yeah. by Nabil Qureshi. And it's basically, you know, works around this idea of these three men who are desperate to make some money. Um, one who is very honest among them and their only way of making money is to do something illegal, like rob a bank. And they're counting on for things to go really bad. So everything shuts down and mobs come out on the street and they can take advantage of this, but they never can. They always mess up. And the comedy that goes with it again, social commentary. Yes. Um, it is, I think, Motorcycle Girl and Zindabhag are perhaps more towards the realism and slightly more, I would say, raw, while Nama Namasrad is definitely more of the formula that one has gotten used to. It doesn't leave you with any questions, it's, mm-hmm. but, but it is entertainment from the beginning to the end. And it plays with, again, all those stereotypes and from the rich to the poor to the English speaking to the non. I mean, it, it's, it, I think it's a great film to watch um, if you want to get, have some laughs. 
Amazing. Amazing. And actually, Arthraj and Namal Mufrad both have this cross-dressing thing going on in them as well. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that, like, burqa moment. Yeah, so that's really interesting. So we have, so our first, we have films here now. We have strong female characters. We have uh, questions of migration. We have horror. We have cross-dressing. I think we've given you a weekend of, like, the ultimate weekend. Yeah. All by staying home. There's, there's a, there's at least, uh, at least one day taken care of. (laughs) There are maybe two movies. (laughs) Together, these films will probably be about, you know, 12 hours of viewing nonstop. So I think that's, that's what we have, Gwen. Thanks everybody for joining us. And uh, we look forward to further episodes exploring different aspects of Pakistani, uh, Pakistani cinemas and Pakistan film industries. Stay home, stay safe, keep social distancing, keep others around you safe, and you can do that by staying at home watching movies. All right, everyone, class is dismissed. Now go enjoy something spicy, something cheesy, and, and something, something filmy. filmy. <laughs>